0: Alright everybody, welcome back to the Showcase, I'm your host Paris Jackson, on today's episode we're going to be doing draft reactions to go ahead and talk about what happened tonight during this virtual draft, the very first virtual draft in the NBA ever, and it was uh, quite an interesting one, a lot of stuff happened before, a lot of stuff happened during, stuff still happening now, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the Showcase. I actually want to start this week talking about the trades that happened at the start of the week and how crazy it was with all of that. Um, The very first one was the Bruce Brown to the Nets. I thought that was a great move for the Nets to pick up a guard, uh, especially with all the rumors floating around about where Harden potentially will end up and how that's going. Um, To add Bruce Brown to the Nets, I mean, he was probably the Fourth best player on Detroit after Blake Griffin, you know, D Rose, Tony Snell, and, and then I think Luke Kennard would probably out him too. So probably he's the fifth best player on Detroit, but definitely the one with the highest upside being that he's only been in the league for one year. And I really liked what he had to show in the summer league. It's just he didn't get a lot of playing minutes during the season. And for that reason, he's not really like a household name. But for anybody that does follow the league, you know, and was watching summer league. Bruce Brown is going to be a great addition to what Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie potentially will be losing if if that Harden trade, you know, uh, does go through. So it'll be KD, Kyrie, Harden, and Bruce Brown, you know, helping out the guard spot, spots. Um, it's in, while I'm on this subject, I don't even think this Rockets trade is really going to go down. I think that the, you know, New GM, Rafael Stone, I believe his name is, needs to just be stern and say, look, James, we are not going to trade you for what the Nets have and blow up what we currently have, um, even though their trade of Robert Covington, I think, goes highly against that. Um, In the sense that Robert Covington was a player that made the difference in a lot of close games during the bubble. And to see them trade him away for Trevor Ariza and then later flip that Ariza into picks kind of signaled to me that they were going to blow it up. And if they were going to do that, then, you know, they might as well have gone through with the Harden trade, and they didn't, so um, kind of a head scratcher there. What's going on in the Rockets? I think in the coming weeks we'll we'll start to see more of what they're planning on doing. Um, especially, you know, as I mentioned, as they as they put these new pieces together under a brand new GM and a brand new coach. Well, with that being said, I think this year for them and for Philly, while I'm on the subject, is kind of going to be a wash in the sense that these gms these new gms are going to come in and they need time to evaluate the pieces and evaluate the direction that they want to take the league i'm sure there's going to be some input from the owners and uh you know the the players exactly what they want to do and who they want to play with but at the very same time at the end of the day it's really going to be the gm that guides the ship of where people end up in the direction of the the actual the team so to see the rockets trade away Roko and then later flip that ariza pick into draft picks was interesting um the next obviously big blockbuster trade that happened was cp3 getting sent to the suns for the thunder i mean the thunder are just compiling draft picks and really have a future focus at this point in the sense that they are not going to be good (laughs) at any time soon. And I think they know it. And I think even last year they were planning on this same strategy, but through sheer will of force and Chris Paul, they ended up actually making the playoffs and then taking the Rockets to a game seven. And I think that was, while very good, very much unintentional in a way that they wanted to... Kind of just blow up the team, start over, start fresh with draft picks, and take it from there. But they ended up having this team that was better than the sum of all its parts that made it to the playoffs and gave the Rockets, who played small ball, a good run for their money. Uh, But with CP3 going to Phoenix for, you know, I think it was Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio that they had to give up. Ricky Rubio to CP3 is a, a very apparent and clear upgrade. And then, you know, Kelly Oubre, you're not really missing much. So with Devin Booker and CP3 now as their backcourt, with Ayton, Mikael Bridges, and the other pieces that the Suns have, they stand to be a very good team, and at least probably make the playoffs this year um, cleanly. Like m- maybe end up in the play-in because of the new format, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but from my just inklings of what the trade is you know obviously the Thunder are very future focused the Phoenix Suns are very now focused and that trade is highly inclusive of that Um, so I thought it was a great trade for for both sides really and I'm I'm excited to see what else the Suns do I thought they had a really good draft as well uh, and we'll get in that in a second The next trade, the Lakers flipping Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder was an absolute steal. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is just a slasher. He has probably not as good a shooting percentage as as, uh, Danny Green, but at the same time, he adds so much from a shot creation standpoint and more so on the defensive end than Danny Green would. So for that, that's a huge, huge upgrade for the Lakers. I think that people generally were a bit sleeping on the Lakers in the sense that, you know, of course AD opted out, but he's just going to re-sign on Friday. And then, you know, they still have LeBron. Avery Bradley's likely going to come back. You know, JaVale McGee's coming back. They have a lot of the team coming back, and then they just upgraded one of their guard positions that was a little bit weaker. Um, So, of course, you know, they're poised to make a run in the playoffs and adding Dennis Schroeder for those, you know, times where LeBron and AD fall a little flat it's going to be huge for the Lakers and they didn't really didn't have to give up much to get him um, so I thought that was a great move the the big head scratcher I think for for a lot of people and a lot of people have already talked about it so I don't want to spend too much time on it is the moves that the Bucks made to pick up Drew Holiday I mean they essentially traded three picks which at the end of the day it's not going to be like very high picks they're very likely going to be the back half of the first round so what are you really trading there and then two pick swaps that probably won't get used so at first I thought they really really overpaid for Drew Holiday but then upon further reflection they're really giving up the equivalent of you know picks 20 through 30 three of them over the next few years and then two pick swaps that they'll likely just retain their pick anyway because I feel like the Pelicans moving forward are going to do worse than the than the Bucks in the in the long run unless this you know Pelicans young core can really develop and start you know having a one seed two seed three seed mentality which I sincerely sincerely doubt just based on the structure of the team um and the health of Zion. If Zion stays healthy and the team plans on being good in the long run, that's great. But trading away who was, you know, one of your better players doesn't really bode well for long term success in that sense. So that was kind of a head scratcher. Um, and then the other move the big the Bucks made, which actually didn't go through, was the Bogdan Bogdanovich sign and trade for. Ilyasova and DiVincenzo another player and um <laughs> and the most Kings move ever comes out you know Thursday that Bogdan didn't plan on signing he wanted to test free agency so the sign and trade isn't even valid which has to be the most Kings thing of all time to happen in free agency where they signed and dealt a player that wasn't ready to sign with them um So again, the Kings are just struggling their way through life as per usual. It's going to be another Rocky season for Kings fan. I can just tell, uh, especially being out in the West. If, There's been a talk of of a flight from the West now that LeBron is out here, and the Kings as an organization just need to do so, so that they can compete with the Hornets and the Wizards for the eighth seed in the East, and then talk about how they made it into the playoffs. But other than that, I mean, it's going to be a while before they're successful. I think the biggest winner... Out of all this, Lakers definitely won a lot. I think the Phoenix Suns won a lot through trades so far. I think the Nets made a sneaky move in in Bruce Brown that's going to pay dividends later and people won't be accepting of it. But the biggest winner so far through this crazy week of free agency has definitely got to be the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, them offloading the Al Horford contract for Danny Green, and Terrence Ferguson adds shooters, it helps spread the floor in the long run for years, you know, 2021, 2022, 2023, where Danny Green's and Terrence Ferguson aren't under contract, it frees up all that cap space. So you can, they literally got rid of one of the four contracts that they needed to. Now, if only they could get rid of Tobias Harris or have him play at a really high level, that would be great. And I think that adding shooter like Danny Green where he has to be respected it spaces the floor it allows Joel Embiid more room to work Danny Green definitely has a veteran experience in the same vein that Al Horford does but he's not so much a liability in that you can hide him on defense in a way that you can't hide Al Horford so I thought that was a great move by the Sixers to free up contract space in the long run and then they turn around and in a matter of hours flip Josh Richardson for Seth Curry, essentially, you know, with a couple of picks and and a couple other guys to make contracts, but flipping Josh Richardson into Seth Curry was huge. I mean, Seth Curry's coming off one of his better seasons that he's had since, of course, he had the season with the Blazers where he was just knocking down shots left and right. But again, adding another shooter that needs to be respected, that's a, you know, a scorer uh, that's 44% from three-point range in his career is a move that's really going to help benefit Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in their game. Because once you, we all know Ben Simmons is not going to shoot threes, right? So he's going to be a drive and kick type player, maybe take mid-range jumpers, and really just kind of go for layups and dunks and so is Joel Embiid he likes to be dominant in the post he, he does take longer twos than I think he should but if you have these three-point shooters that are cutting and moving and getting up to spots and the assist numbers for both of those players Simmons and Embiid can go up because of the trust in these new Danny Green and Seth Curry pieces that the Sixers are going to be nice next year they really are going to be nice and the only thing is of course there's so much competition in the NBA I don't really want to say that they're poised to make a really good championship run but I think they are in a much better position than they were 24 hours ago I think they're much better position than they were at you know the playoff rounds where they had to play the Celtics and I think that you know Daryl Morey came in and basically fixed the Sixers and in in a month, you know, or, you know, a week from the start of free agency. Um so big, big win in, in the trades for Philly. Um good moves to you guys there. And then um just overall it's just been hectic. I feel like Woj Bombs are dropping every day. There's been a, a ton of buzz around the league and then finally we got to the draft tonight and that's, you know, been been pretty straightforward but it's also really exciting to see these new new players get added to this team so um let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and break down the 15 first draft picks of the 2020 nba draft Okay, and so as we get into this, uh, I just want to say, and I said it in my last episode, the reason I didn't do any pre-draft predictions or anything like that was because there is absolutely, without being an insider, without being woes and shams, there's no way to know who's going to go where. I mean, you can do analysis, you can do things based on positional fit, but every single mock draft that was out there was wrong in one way or another, for where these particular players landed and, you know, who was going to go where. Trades could happen at any moment. So to do any type of pre-draft analysis other than, you know, let's take X team and talk about, you know, who would be good for them is nearly impossible. And then you add that to the fact that this is the weirdest draft of all time given that these teams have had way more time than they usually have to analyze these players and way less data to do so they've obviously had a shortened NCAA season the championship week got cut short there was no NCAA tournament so with all that I mean, of course, these scouts and these people that do these draft analysis have the best tools in the industry and they do have the means to evaluate these players. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't even have a draft. But it's going to be the year where some people went early that should have went late and some people went late that should have went early. So when people look back on this draft and say, oh, so-and-so was drafted, you know, 34th overall, well, hold on a second because – we are dealing with the weirdest draft of all time in that we don't have a lot of data and we had a lot of time to analyze that data. Uh, So, and I don't think that provides a balance at all in there. And with that being said, these first 15 picks, I think I, I did as much as I could to analyze these players based on what was available on the internet and different stat reporting websites, just my general feel of these players. So, course take this with a grain of salt for these next 15 picks because i could be wrong and of course we all know that rookies on a year year in year out basis don't really get opportunities on good teams that have a good structure in the same way that you know draft picks get chances on a bad team that's had bad structure of course because they want somebody to come in and save them right and they're dependent upon the draft to do so so with the number one overall pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves selected Anthony Edwards, who's a shooting guard from Georgia, and I spoke about him on IG a bit when I was doing the live number two pick, um, and basically my consensus on him is he's just he's acts, he's going to be a good in-between between D'Lo and Cat, and in the sense that he can play the two, play off D'Lo, he's more of like a pull-up ISO guy. As as opposed to a a like point guard facilitator, which makes sense because he's a shooting guard, right? Like that's that's his role. But I watched this Kentucky game where it was Georgia versus Kentucky, and it seemed like they were hiding him on defense. He was just kind of switching away from all the action, and and then of course I saw that you know how much ISO he played. His ability to pull up from wherever is really impressive, even if even in traffic, which I think he's gonna have to do uh a lot I'm not sure how Ryan Saunders is planning on playing the Timberwolves it, it, hopefully they're going to be cutting a lot but you know Delo's is prone to just pull up from absolutely anywhere so that might have him in some situations where he's just getting the ball late and then has to pull up and and Anthony Edwards has the ability to do so so I'm interested to see how the Timberwolves develop him um with a number two pick, Golden State picked James Wiseman. I was super excited about this. He was the player in the draft that I wanted. He's a center. And I think he just adds exactly what the Warriors have been missing at that position. If, if you look at the payroll in the roster right now, the Warriors have. Kevon Looney who's great when he can stay healthy but the problem is he has like nerve damage or something in his chest where he's he I guarantee he's gonna get injured again this season I would be very shocked if he plays more than 45 games but he we have him we have Smiley Geach a lot of the centers that we've had in the past couple of years have kind of been one and done or they've been very very veteran in the sense that we brought Bogut back From Australian League just to really play the playoffs we had Boogie on a one-year deal we had Willie Cauley Stein but we let him go and now he's playing for the Mavs so like that center position has really been an eyesore over the years and even with Clay having his injury yesterday I was really glad to see us pick up James Wiseman because we need somebody at the five I think the other four we can we can fill in you know Steph, Dre, Wiggins, and then maybe Damian Lee at the two or something like that, but, and I'll have to look more at the depth chart, and and of course, it'll come through when preseason starts on the 11th, but I was really glad that we picked up James Wiseman. The head scratcher here was what happened at number three a bit, and I think it, it makes sense when you think of it as a value grab, so the Charlotte Horn- Hornets selected LaMelo ball at number three, and I was the reason I was scratching my head was because they already have Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, and Terry Rozier at the guard position, so it seems like they're already full there, so it seems strange to me that the Hornets would take LaMelo, I, I think LaMelo would probably be better than Devontae Graham in the long run, but he also was a candidate for most improved player, so I think they're just very full at the guard position, but since, you know, Anthony and James Wiseman had already been selected. They just did the value grab, and maybe they can flip LaMelo later. But I, it also came out this week that Michael Jordan was pretty comfortable picking up LaMelo and having him running in the in Hornets offense. So I think he could be there, and maybe they could just be looking for the long-term future development of LaMelo and be looking forward to like the 2022-2023 season. Because at that point, they really don't have a ton on their roster that's signed a contract currently. And they can start building around LaMelo for the long run. Quick note on his dad. I know a lot of people are waiting for his dad to pop up. But I think that having his older brother Lonzo already go through the NBA. And people just are, were fed up with him when Lonzo was in LA. When Lonzo went to New Orleans. Another small market kind of like Charlotte. Like Lavar disappeared. I don't. I don't even think he's worth mentioning. But I, I. had just had to do it just to make a quick note. The Chicago Bulls with the number four overall pick picked Patrick Williams, who is just turned nineteen as of August. So he's like it's not immediately apparent where he'll fit in on the Bulls roster, um, or really what kind of player he's become. Kind of watching the tape and looking at his stats. Like his stats aren't really astounding. But he's really well-rounded and at a jack-of-all-trades. And it seems to be the consensus is that he has a ton of upside. So adding him to Kobe White and Zach Levine and the other players that they have, the Bulls are in an interesting position of, you know, we just kind of got to wait to see what happens with them very similarly to the number five overall pick Isaac Okoro another shooting small four that the Cleveland Cavaliers selected with the fifth overall pick and this one was a surprise in the draft because from an offensive standpoint there was definitely other players available that would have probably added a lot of offense to the Cavs but I think the Cavs were really looking to plug some holes on the defense that are presented by Kevin Love and Andre Drummond and Colin Sexton and Kevin Porter Jr. If he comes back, uh, picking up Isaac here will really help. And I think it, the focus was very clear on defense because his stats, Isaac Okoro stats, don't really uh don't really like paint the whole picture of his impact of the game. Sorry, I just I just had to sneeze. So having him picked up, I think the scoring will have to come from other players on the Cavs, but at the end of the day, he's going to contribute to prevent a lot of those end game close losses that the Cavs had last year. So if anybody looks back to last year, you remember the Cavs played a lot of teams very close, but ended up just blowing either big leads or small leads, blowing them late and not being able to get the stops they needed to win. And that also goes with not being able to score, but more importantly, get the stops that they needed to keep the, leads that they have and then if you fast forward a couple years in Isaac's career I think he's going to be that defensive player that helps bring the Cavs some wins at the end of the day it's still the Cavs they're perpetually horrible uh curse of LeBron Bino and so you know take that with a grain of salt it's not like the Cavs are going to be competing for championships but they are going to be more competitive in the east for them with the number six overall pick the Atlanta Hawks selected center Onyeka Okunguo which is a hard name for, for me to say. I, I can obviously do the first one. Okunguo is hard for me anyway. But it's an interesting choice in that they're adding a center when they already have Clint Capella and John Collins, who easily fit the 4-5 and five role. Clint Capella, you know, obviously more of a 5, and John Collins more of a 4. But I think what they're trying to do is supplement Trey Young's ball dominance in a sense that, you know, obviously with Trey Young being a little bit smaller and... And on the offensive, on taking you know a lot of shots and and facilitating the offense, having more of a presence down low to a grab rebounds, b help defense for when Trey Young just gets blown by or something like that is going to be huge for the Hawks. And, I, and then it started to make sense a little bit to me why they would pick up a cent a center and Yakung Congo is it's arguably the second best center behind James Wiseman. The Detroit Pistons with the number seven pick pick Killian Hayes, which I thought was a great pickup, given exactly what I just talked about with them trading away Bruce Brown and D Rose potentially also is on the trading block. Killian Hayes will come in and add a guard that has some experience having played in the French League for, you know, 72 games or so and. What I really think is that the Pistons need to decide if they're going to give away D. Rose and Blake Griffin and run with the young core, or are they going to try and make a run in the East? And if I remember correctly, they didn't even make the bubble. I don't think they even made the bubble. So for them... They are in the lower echelon of Eastern Conference teams, and Killian Hayes likely is in that piece to move them up. So I think that they are in a position, especially with how their payroll is looking, to really you know, trade away their bigger pieces in, in a move that a la Thunder will allow them to come back in a few years and really compete. Number eight overall pick Obi Toppin falling to the New York Knicks was probably the best case scenario for them. Uh, I know he's getting a lot of like Admari Stoudemire comparisons in the sense that he can shoot, he can be down low, he's explosive as an athlete, and the Knicks really wanted him. And and you know Woj even <laughs> tweeted out as he was doing his picks that they were absolutely surprised that he had fallen all the way to number eight. The thing I'm concerned with, with New York, you know, adding Obi Toppin here is that obviously they need to build around RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin can complement him, but so can Kevin Knox and so can Julius Randle and arguably RJ Barrett plays a similar role slash position as well. So... I just think they have a lot of guys kind of doing the same thing, and they could have been better served with maybe like a knockdown shooter or something like that, but instead they went with this power forward. With that being said, you know, it, they have a brand-new coach in Tom Thibodeau, and so we'll see if the Knicks are more competitive this year within his scheme, um, but I I just thought that that was crazy that he fell all the way there, and part of the reason is because some of these guys like Isaac Okoro, and Onyeka, and Kongo, went earlier than I think expected, which led obi Obitop into fall. I got seven more picks to go through, but let's just take a very quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about picks 9 through 15. And with the number 9 pick, Denny Avija, which I hope I said that right, but he's basically the, the Washington Wizards selected the Israeli League MVP who is, comes in he adds a lot of size he is a larger player that can shoot he his play style is very similar to Davis Burton's that they have on on the the roster which is probably why they selected him I mean the Wizards clearly have made the choice to build around Bradley Beal and John Wall will be a nice piece to that so picking up Denny, what is going to happen is he is going to help space the floor, help clear some of those driving lanes for those two, and then, of course, uh, add some knockdown shooting and a lot of experience. He's probably the most experienced player to come into this league, um, having played so long in the Israeli league. Kind of similar to Killian Hayes, kind of similar to Luka Doncic a couple years ago where they come in with that vet international experience and are just kind of ready to go from the jump. So um, he's an, also a player that I expected to go way higher, but uh, you know, some earlier moves led to him being picked up ninth by the Washington Wizards who were ecstatic that he fell to them. Phoenix Suns with a 10th overall pick selected Jalen Smith, who's a power forward. He's just a strong positional fit uh, on a team that could really use another stretch four option to complement Ayton and Mikhail Bridges. Talked about the Suns a little bit at the top of this. And what they've done to add and supplement the guard position, so now it's nice that they're supplementing, um, you know, DeAndre Ayton with with this pick in the draft, this number ten pick. The number 11 pick for the San Antonio Spurs was Devin Vassell, who's just a classic Spurs guy according to, you know, his personality, the reports that come out. He just seems like he's kind of like a put-your-head-down, grind-it-out type player uh, with, you know, not a lot of showboating, which is the perfect Spurs guy that they're always looking for. He's also a 3-and-D guy, basically. uh, He shot 50% from deep. Only six attempts per game in college, but 50% on six attempts is, is in my mind, very good. Uh, and watching the highlights, obviously, not every single one of them was just a very clear, you know, wide open three. He, he does have the ability to take contested threes and shoot them at a high clip. And if you look forward in the Spurs payroll, DeJounte Murray, very similar to what the, the Hornets have going on, DeJounte Murray is really the only player that's signed to a long-term payroll contract. So... You know, pending what happens with Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge, if Dejounte Murray is your one, then Devin Vassell will be a very good two to kind of complement that. And they're still building on the defensive end, um, and it's just pending what happens with some of their quote unquote stars. The the way the Spurs go, but I. I you know, the Spurs were very close to making the playoffs this year. I assume that they won't be out of the playoffs for long if they do miss them this year. Um, so just a classic Spurs pickup by them. Sacramento Kings, with a number 12 pick, picked up Tyrese Halliburton. So, okay, so if the Kings are rebuilding, that's just what they're going to have to do, and they're going to build around De'Aaron Fox, right? And part of building around De'Aaron Fox is getting him a two, and that was this move in picking up Tyrese Halliburton, was picking up somebody that could give – Darren Fox arrest the awkwardness with Bogdan is over I mean he, it sounds like he's gone it sounds like Buddy Heald is going to come back into the starting lineup and play that two spot and can probably play really well with Tyrese so I think that it's a solid point guard I think that you know the Kings needed to pick a big most of the good bigs were gone and 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 what was left over was the best available guard in Tyrese Halliburton, and that's who the Kings picked. Um, and he's not a bad player. I mean, he, in college, he shot, I think, 49.7% from the field over his you know whole season, which was great. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the Kings need a lot of pieces to really be in a contention run. And if they could, they would flee to the East in a way that all these players quote unquote are fleeing to the East from LeBron. I think the Kings as an organization just needs to flee to the East to get away from LeBron and the rest of the competition in the West. Um, the Pelicans with the number 13 pick picked up a point guard in Kira Lewis Jr. What I like about this guy, he's he's really fast, and he has a really good developed euro Eurostep, um, and he has some bounce for only being 6'3", and so the Pelicans, what they really needed was a score to make up what they lost in Drew Holiday, and Kira Lewis Jr. definitely isn't that guy 100%, and he might need to beef up defensively to kind of fill in what they lost but the pelicans are in a situation where they really need to just take their draft class that they had last year you know which included zion jackson hayes frank jackson Nikhil Alexander-Walker, like, they need to take those players and get them to the next level, along with Lonzo and Brandon Ingram. So this draft for the Pelicans, I don't think really mattered too much for them. It's nice that they have a player that can come in behind Lonzo and, and create his own shot and drive and things of that nature, but more important for the Pelicans than this draft is to develop to the players that they got in the 2019 draft. So I wouldn't expect Kira Lewis to, like, win Rookie of the Year or anything like that, but I would expect him to you know um or at least i would expect the pelicans to go ahead and and develop those players that they had before with the number 14 pick the Boston Celtics selected Aaron Naismith, who I actually liked watching his highlights and everything like that. He's a six-six, he's a knockdown shooter. Um, I think his size and his shooting will help space the floor and, and add some defensive layers to the Celtics. Injuries limited him a bit in the 2019-2020 season, so it's hard to really scope like where he's going to be at. Um, nothing like you know, like to a hip injury level or anything like that, but he had been a player. That did deal with some injuries but at the same time the Celtics are in a very similar situation that the Pelicans are in that they have a young core they have a win now mentality they really weren't looking for a saving grace option in this draft and they may even pair him with whatever they're planning on doing with Gordon Hayward whether it be a sign and trade or just have Gordon Hayward develop Aaron Naismith to be the next Gordon Hayward but whatever the case may be the Boston Celtics just went ahead and picked this guy and i think that he will be a good player i just don't think he'll get like a ton of minutes given that they already have this position pretty built out um and they honestly they don't need him and i think they were shopping him around same as the pelicans shopping around the 13th pick with the 15th overall pick the orlando magic selected cole anthony who actually i thought this was a great move for the organization. Um, Cole Anthony, he has like a nice hezy drive or he has a, like like a hesitation step and then he'll end up driving. Um, he can pull up, he presents awareness on the defensive end and can make some plays on that. He's a little bit undersized at 6'3, but he can still finish down low. Um, and he had some injuries again in the 2019, 2020 season, which was what kind of kept him from being drafted in the top 10. But I think he compliments Fultz in a way that just makes a lot of sense for the organization in that Markel Fultz is a good facilitator, but not a great scorer. And Cole Anthony is a great scorer, but not a great facilitator. So I think if you get them both on the court at the same time, it will present some different looks for any defense that the Magic has to, has to deal with. And then, you know, they're obviously bringing back Evan Fournier, you know, Vucevic, and, and things of that nature. And then, of course, Mo Bamba's coming back. So, with all that being said, the the Magic are in this teeter-totter position where they've been the aid seed for the last couple of years. They've been quietly acquiring assets. They've been quietly, you know, developing their talent. And, you know, will more likely than not be in a better position. Unfortunately, the East is only just getting more and more robust. So it's not like they're going to like win the Eastern conference championship or anything like that. But that being said, I expect Cole Anthony to come in and add some layers to this magic offense. And at the end of the day, if at worst he replaces the minutes that you got from DJ Augustine, whose contract expired and I don't think is going to get renewed, then, so be it, right, then then he'll be a good compliment to Fultz in that way, so that was the first 15 picks of the draft, um, along with some trade stuff that's going on, plenty of buzz flying around, I feel like I've already gotten five Wosh tweets already, um, <laughs> since starting since starting this, but with that being said, I mean, super, super exciting, we are You know, less than a month away from playing preseason. We're about a month away from the season actually kicking off. So it's good to be back and super excited to continue, you know, this, you know, this process with you guys i'll be back next week to do the next 15 players in the draft as well as you know whatever else happens in trade slash free agency Um, free agency starts tomorrow so i'm sure it's going to be absolutely bonkers again i'm not a predictions guy i'm an analyst guy so um, of course be breaking down some of the moves that get made between now and then but until then stay safe stay healthy i'm your host pj thanks for listening to the showcase